chance, twice as coincidence, three times as a conspiracy. So <laughs> when uh, Nick's guitar broke, I thought, there's a good analogy for God working through broken people. And then Natalia said that to me. And then Zoe just came up and said that to me. So there you go. There's a word for the church today that God works through broken guitar strings and broken people. Um, yeah. So, so we're doing a series called Empowered about um, living in the Holy Spirit, living in, and you know, working in the ministry of the Holy Spirit and walking in step with the Holy Spirit. Last week, James talked about the Holy Spirit as revealer, and he showed how the, the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit is to bring us into truth, to, to reveal Christ, to reveal the ways of the kingdom. And I guess I've been thinking a little bit about truth recently and how if God created the heavens and the earth, then his reality is the true reality, because that's how he made things. And so the truth and living in the truth is living in God's reality. And the Holy Spirit can help us to do that and reveal God's reality to us. And uh, sin is believing in lies that are not a part of God's reality. Um, and so being deceived. And so, you know, the Holy Spirit reveals God's reality to us when, he, when we are saved. And then ongoing, we can ask for that and expect that throughout our walk as Christians. So today, I am going to be talking about faith and healing. And the, and the role of faith, I guess, in healing. So, when Jesus finished saying all this he, to the people who are listening, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I do not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and I tell that one come and he comes. And I say to my servant do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not seen such great faith even in Israel. Then the man who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. That's such a cool story, eh? So, pop quiz. So the way we're going to do this, there is multi-choice. You pick your answer, so one, two, three, or four, put your hand up. All right, so uh, this, this is if you think the answer is number one, two, three, or four. Right. Just when the woman who had been subject to bleeding, for tw just then a woman who had been subject to for bleeding for, for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. What happened next? Ah, okay. I thought I'd change them all to be one, two, or three, four, but obviously I left <laughs> this one as A, B, C, and D. Um, so still the same deal, top to bottom, one, two, three, four. So put your hand up. 
for which answer you think it is. Okay, some people not voting. Lots of ones, right. She said to herself, if only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. A woman is healed by her faith. What happened next? While some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders, so they threw the man into Elisha's tomb. What happened next? Oh, I clearly sent the wrong version. <laughs> okay, so one, two, or three. Just put up a, if you think. Okay, so we've got some threes, we've got some ones, we've got some... When the body touched Elijah's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. That's pretty full on, eh? Biff. I think if I was the people who was burying him, I'd get more of a fright from that than from the raiders. Yeah, the man. The man comes back to life. What happens next? And the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. What happened next? One, all the snakes get up and walk out. <laughs> Only the wicked die from a snake bite. So the others get superpowers. God come, gives some of the Israelites the ability to heal people by touch from the bite. They, get a, they make a bronze snake that heals people on sight. One, two, three, or four. Right. I reckon two would be pretty cool, but it's... Uh, the Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole, and when anyone who was bitten by a snake looked at the bronze snake, they lived. It's pretty... You think about the, the camp of the Israelites, right? There's like, I think when it talks about them leaving in Exodus, there's a million people or more. It's a really tall pole, right? For them to be able to see it from the edge of the camp. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. What happened next? One, two, three, or four. The fewer, fewer and fewer people <laughs> each time. I am keeping account of all the people who get it wrong, and you're all going to be cast out at the end. <laughs> no, no, okay. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Cool, eh? I think this is the last one. One who was, who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in, in his condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred, so while I'm trying to get in, someone else gets down ahead of me. One, two, three, or four. Jesus heals the guy next to him. Yeah, nah. Yeah. Bait and switch, right? What have we got? Cool. Jesus tells him to stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. 
doesn't even have to get into the pool. Although he might want to, you know, have a, have a swim anyway. Yeah, have a bit of a clean up. So, pop quiz. So, as I said, today I'm talking about faith and healing, about how we, so if last week James talked about how the Holy Spirit reveals himself to us, in some ways this is how we respond to the call of the Spirit and the call of Jesus, and also how we can call on the Spirit and call on Jesus to live in line with God's reality. So the good thing about life's pop quizzes is they're multi-choice. You've got lots of options. You can deal with it yourself. You know, you can go and tough it out, right? You can go and deal with whatever the thing is, make your way, go ahead. It's a very uh, common attitude in our culture, right? Harden up. You know, you've got to, you just got to do do what's right for you and yours. You can also call on family and friends, right? Actually, I can't just do this. Oh, and I'll see if my family can help me, or I've got these mates over here who can help me. You can, of course, ignore the problem or run from it. But, um, well, yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that. Or you can give it to God. So you think about life, right? The kinds of pop quizzes that have been thrown before us in the last few years. Pandemics, wars, financial crisis, recession. Going to go great guns dealing with those yourself, aren't you? Because life often brings us things that we cannot control, that we can't overcome by ourselves, doesn't it? It'll bring us issues that we realise we don't have the capacity to deal with. It forces us to make tough decisions. Um, and even then, sometimes those tough decisions don't help. You know, and, and we do, it's not to say that we shouldn't look to our families and friends, but how often are they dealing with the same stuff? And how much can they help us? when that actually happens. Your family and your friends may love you, but they can't always help with what you're dealing with. You know, and there are just some things that you can't run and hide from, which really only leaves us with one option, right? Knowing that God is able and that he can be trusted with life's multi-choice quizzes with what we have to do. You know, the, the thing about a, a pop quiz is it's teaching you to be ready, right? So when you, when you were, uh, who, well, some of you are still at school. If you're at school and you've had a pop quiz or you, you were, you remember pop quizzes, right? They, they turn up, they go, pop quiz, here's it, 10 questions. And you just have to be ready to do it. And life is like that, right? We don't necessarily know when the next thing is going to turn up and is going to um, for, leave us in a position where we've got to go, oh, now what do I do? I've got some choices here. I could do all of these things, but actually the best thing I can do is give it to God.
So if giving it to God is having faith and trust in God, what does that actually look like? Looks like this guy. So when I was preparing for this, one of the things that, that, um, that stood out was that the Bible is pretty friendly towards centurions. It's kind of like, huh? There's a, there's, a, there's a moment of like, okay, what's that about? So centurions in the New Testament are generally seen in a positive light. So Cornelius, the first Gentile servant, is a centurion. And at the cross of Jesus, a centurion says, surely this man is the son of God. And then we have this story about a centurion here. So there's some really interesting bits in this if you jump back into Luke. So the first thing is that Jesus, Jesus is in, in Capernaum, he's gone into Capernaum, and a bunch of Jewish elders come to him and say, hey, you've got to help this guy out because look what he's done for us. I mean, this is the, we, we, we just, let's just reset ourselves in the times, right? Rome, Israel is under Roman occupation. Centurions are leaders, right? They, they lead roughly 100 men in a legion, right? A legion is made up of, is it 10? 10, 10 um, groups of centurions. And, uh, you know, they are, they are men, as he says, with authority, uh, likely to be wealthy. Also, the oppressors. When people are looking, in this time, when people are looking for a Messiah, they're looking for a Messiah that is going to kick the Romans out of Israel and restore the political kingdom of, of Israel. That was the, the general gist of thought at the time. And so these Jewish elders, though, this guy, the centurion, has gone, oh, my, my servant is sick. He's such a good guy. I really, I, I, he's going to die. I'm really sad, and this is really worries me. So he's gone. He's most likely sent someone to summon the Jewish elders to him. And then they've come to him and he said, hey, this guy's going to die, but I've heard about this Jesus guy and he heals people. So can you go and ask him on my behalf to come? And so they come and Jesus agrees to go with them. I mean, you've got to going to see that his interest is peaked, right? Here's these synagogue elders, these Jewish leaders coming, hey, on behalf of our oppressor, we want you to come and heal his servant, right? But they don't say that because they're looking at what he's done. But that's how that message could be received, right? But Jesus is going, interesting. Goes off on the way. So he's not there yet, walking over to his house. Before he's able to arrive, some friends of the centurion turn up and say, he says this, I'm not worthy for you to enter my home. Only say the word and my servant will be healed. Okay, so first of all, he says, come. Then he says, don't come. Okay, weird. And then, so, so he says this, and then he says, oh, you know, I'm under authority, and when I say to people go, they go, and when they, and I say they come, they come. So this, this, all of this happens, and there's a crowd following Jesus, as there, as there typically is, and he turns to them and says, never 
have I seen such great faith as this in all of Israel? So what is Jesus marveling at here? What is this faith that the centurion has? You know, when you look at what Jesus says about faith in the New Testament, mostly it's kind of a bit negative. Oh, ye of little faith. Why didn't you have as much have, have enough enough uh, enough faith? All right. And so, but here, he's really impressed with this with this centurion's faith. So, the question is, what does that faith look like, and why, what was it that impressed Jesus? So, the first thing, right? If we if we go back into it, he says. Where is it? Sorry. So they come, the, the servants come and say, come with, her, come with him. You need to do this because he's served, he's served our nation and he's built our synagogues. And then he sends people to say, don't come. So most of us, so real faith, true faith, Expects the yes, but endures the no. So he's going to Jesus. He, he's going, I know you can do this. I have faith that you can do this. But I'll still, I still bless you because, you know, the, 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 let me rephrase that. He says, I want it this way. I want you to come and heal my servant. But if, but if he doesn't, I still have faith that he is God and he can do better than I ask for. So he says, come, and then he says, don't come. He's just going, look, you do what you want. You are the sovereign one here. You are the one with the authority here. This is what I want, but actually all I want really is for you to do what you want. And so he has this, this centurion sends people saying, you don't have to come. When he's saying that, he's going, actually, you know best. He's not turning up to job and to, to Jesus and going, um, by the way, here's, here's my prayer, and, and you need to, here's, here's my checklist. Can you please go through the checklist and tick off all these things, and then we'll be good. I think it's really easy, and I'm, I've done this, I've been doing this recently, actually. I'll get to that in a second. But I've, we, we, we believe we will get an automatic yes when we pray. Right, where we go, yep, I've prayed, therefore, it's all good. It's going to happen. And I don't think that that's real faith. God is sovereign, right? Real faith says, I want it this way. But if he doesn't, I still have faith that he is God and he can do better than I ask for. So, when I was preparing for this, I was really convicted by that, by that idea. Because I often pray, do this thing, this thing, this specific thing. And I'm going through a, a, a moment right now where I'm feeling really on the edge. So, I'm, I currently uh, work on contract. And my contract comes to an end at the end of this week. 
and I don't have anything else lined up at this point. And so I've spent the last, I mean, been doing several things, but spent the last few weeks, well, six, eight weeks, applying for jobs, right, doing what I can, putting stuff out there. And there's things happening, but nothing has landed. Uh, but I've also been praying. And there have been some of the things that I've applied for that I'm like, I'd really like that. Please give me that thing. I want that. And, uh, and I've been asking people to pray for me as well, right? Bailing people up at church or family or whatever, right? Go, hey, pray for me. Pray for this thing. I want this thing. And I was really challenged by this when I was... Um, preparing for this because what God pointed out to me is that the, 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 the thing that I'm getting anxious about is that I'm carrying this burden that I have to provide, that I'm the breadwinner. So to all you breadwinners out there, <laughs> there's a real challenge, right? We kind of take this thing on. We're like, oh, it's my job. I've got to provide for my family. I've got to do this, right? And I really felt like God saying to me, Whose burden is it to provide for you and your family? You can do it yourself if you want, or you can give it to me. I found that really challenging, and still do. I find it quite hard to share. You know, it's um, it, and he. So since then, since Wednesday, I've been praying that he'll provide, that he'll do what he wants to do. And, and look, if that's a job, wonderful. I'd quite like one. I'm still asking for them, right? But I'm going, this is what I want, but you do what you want. It's changed my prayer. And if he, if he does something else, well, that's all good too. I don't know what that would look like, um, but he's got a much greater vision than I've ever had. So... But it's tough to be in that space, whether it's for a situation like mine or for healing, physical healing, or um, emotional healing if we're stressed or anxious or depressed or, or, this, or we're suffering hardship. But, you know, at a communion a little while ago, I talked about how God is big. Our God is big. He's much bigger than my work or what we need to, to survive as a family or what we need to survive as a church right? if you look at the finances we are tracking a little bit under budget at the moment our God is bigger than that and yes we can pray and teach on giving and that kind of stuff but actually maybe we need to start saying God this is your church what do you want to do how are you going to do it please just do what you want to do to be fair, as ourselves, we do do pray that too, but um, but you know, it's a, it's there's a real challenge, and to to when we expect the yes but are prepared for the no, we've got to give up our box that we want to put Christ into. You can do it only like this. So the other thing that we see that Centurion did, we confess our unworthiness but still boldly ask for our needs. I really love the psalm that came up in the prayer before the service that um, Caleb read, you know, that we can approach the throne, we can climb the hill 
not because of what we've done. Only the righteous can go there. And I am so not righteous in my own strength. But Christ makes me righteous. Your religious resume is only half of who you are. The, the centurion, right? So the, 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 the Jewish leaders turn up and go, he deserves this. He loves our nation and he built our synagogue. He deserves it. Right? They are presenting the centurion's religious resume to Jesus. Yeah, yeah, he deserves it. He is worthy of your intervention, of your healing, of your attention. He's totally worthy of it. And then, as they're coming, these leaders, these Jewish leaders are leading him back. The centurion goes, I'm not worthy. Most of us have Friday night things in our lives that we don't talk about on Sunday. The centurion confessed that. And if you think about his job, he is likely to have done a whole bunch of things that would not be living in God's reality. Right? I mean, his job, by its very nation, is an expression of the power of violence. There are two types of people who pray. Those who expect God to do it because of what they've done, and I have bargained with God a lot, right? I'll also add to this, there, so there are two types of people who pray. Those who expect God to do it because of what they've done. Those who expect God to do it because of what they say they will do. So that's 2A. Uh, and then those who expect God to do it because of who he is. I fall into the 2A category quite a lot. If you'll answer this prayer, I'll do that. Or I'll stop doing that, or whatever, right? Um, and you know, I think we can. We should just come to God and pray and ask, right? And if that means we're gonna, you know, we, we like. I don't think it's. We can just come before Him and put whatever's on our heart before Him. But when we start to 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 see and to ask Him to be Him and who He is. It, I think it changes us, and it changes our prayer, and it changes our, uh, and it builds our faith. What we need from God is always greater than what we deserve. Prayer is absolutely a privilege, but as children of God, it's also our right. As it says in Hebrews, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in a time of need. Our, our relationship, I mean, would you say, to your kids, no, you can't talk to me about that, right? You can't ask me, right? It wouldn't be good parenting if you did. You might say no, you might fulfill their request some other way, but they can come to you boldly because they are your family. Even when we're unworthy, 
when we know our unworthiness, let us come before the throne of God. Even when we've messed up, you know, you might go, oh, I can't talk to God this week because I did that. Whatever that is. I can't, I can't, no, I'm not going to. If there's an old call at church today, I'm not going to go up because I did that. I can't stand before the throne. You are made righteous in him. Your worthiness is not what gives you the right to pray. Even when we're broken, we can go before the throne and expect God to fix it. His way. The other impressive thing about the centurion is he really understood the authority of God's word. Like the, 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 the word here, when he, when, he, when he says, I'm a man under authority, I know what it's like for you. Because I'm also under authority. I tell them to go and they go. I tell them to come and they come. I mean, he didn't say this, but he goes, I send men to their deaths. That's part of his job. That's the part of the authority he has over people's lives. You don't have to, he says, Lord, you don't have to come because I have such faith in you that all I need from you is just to say a word. Just say it. For I myself am a man under authority. When soldiers are un- with soldiers under me, I tell this one go and he goes and this one come and he comes and I say to my servant, do this and he does it. So the centurion sends out the Jewish elders and say, plead with him on my behalf, then sends out his friends and goes, well, you don't have to come. I'm not actually worthy to be in your presence and my household is not worthy to have you step in it. But I know that you can do this. I know that you have the authority over the sickness in my household. So not only is he recognizing his own, he, that he has authority, he's recognizes, recognizing God's greater authority because he doesn't have authority over the sickness in his household, does he? We don't have to wonder if God has a word for our sickness or brokenness or despair. I stole Judah's Bible because it's got big letters. makes it e- easier for me to read with my progressives. <laughs> Isaiah 53. He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and held in low low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression and crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. If you need healing, God has a word for that. If you have sickness, God has a word for that. If you are in despair, God has a word for that. We can take him at his word and ask him to come and to do what he would do to expect that he will work however he works 
I've, um, you ever had a left field answer to prayer? I feel like most of the answers to prayer I've had have been left field answers to prayer. I'm like, oh, I want this, oh, do this, and this thing happens over here. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's what you're doing. He will come. Jesus was so impressed by the faith of the, of the centurion that he healed the servant with just a word. And if you look at it, Jesus' healing doesn't even come. He doesn't even say be healed. He rebukes the faith of Israel and the servant is healed. And I, the thing I like about the pop quiz, thank you Zoe for putting that together, is um, that when you look at all those things that happened, how the healing happened in all of them, it was different. Like you think about the ten men with leprosy. He doesn't go and lay hands on them. He, doesn't, he, he does lay hands on some other lepers, right? So it's not like he's afraid to or anything. He just goes, go and present yourselves to the priests. So they had to take him at his word. They trusted in his word. And as they went, they were cleansed. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And, the, the, you know, the guy who came back to life thrown on Elijah's bones is just cool, right? I mean, it's what? I mean, okay. I didn't expect that. Um, but, you know, God is sovereign. And he is big. Really, really big. He's bigger than pandemics. He's bigger than financial crises. He's bigger than wars. He's bigger than disease. He's bigger than... Poverty, he's, you know, he's, he's big. He's bigger than whatever you're going through. And he, he wants us to come boldly before him. And he will give us the grace and mercy we need, whatever that looks like. It may be the thing we ask for. It may be something else. At times it can feel like a no. Well, we still have faith to endure through that. You know, Paul, he had the thorn in his flesh, whatever that was, right? There's all sorts of speculation about what it was. I've seen things about how he maybe had bad eyesight because he says some, somewhere else that he writes a letter with big letters. You know, he uses big letters so that he can see them in, when he's writing in the dark but, or in the ca by candlelight. Um, I've seen other people, you know, all sorts of things. But he talks about this thorn in his flesh. And he goes... Please take it away from me. And God's response was that his power is made perfect in Paul's weakness. And so Paul's like, okay, right. Well, I'll boast about my weakness then. Because if that makes God's power perfect, then that's a good thing. right? So it's that thing about coming before the Lord with an open and desperate heart and just going, not my will be done, Lord, but yours. Your will be done. I'm, I'm you know, the, the, 
I, th I think about the centurion and I think about the Holy Spirit and what James talked about last week, revealing all of this to the centurion. In his desperation for the healing of his servant, he, the Holy Spirit met him in that place and revealed to him that Jesus could fix this. But also, I'm guessing, he also saw his own iniquity, but he saw God's authority. And that, to me, means that that confession of his faith is coming from a man who, in that moment, is standing in, the, in God's reality. He's standing in the truth. He's going, this is who you are. This is what you can do. I trust that you will do what is right. And I'll, and, I'll, and please, I want you to do this, but do whatever you think is best. So absolutely, I think we should bring our petitions and our prayers and our, our things before the Lord. And ask for the things that we want or need. But come with a heart that's going, just whatever you, whatever you think is best for me, Lord, I want this. But I'll, whatever you think is best for me, Lord, that's what I'll take. Because you know me. You know me and my life and my plans and my weaknesses and all of it far better than I do. So please come. When we say, come Holy Spirit, which we're going to, and already have, um, let's say it with an open heart, with a heart that says, just come and minister as you would. So in, in a moment, we're going to have a time of ministry. Maybe you're suffering from sickness or your your. You know, there's hardship of some kind in your life or you're anxious or, um, you know, you're struggling with your thoughts. Have we, have you given it to God? Have you given it to God with a faith like the centurions? With a faith that trusts God with the situation and says, hey God, please help me. Just come. If we could stand, we're just going to wait on the Lord for a minute. There's nothing magical about standing up, um, and you don't actually have to if you don't want. Um, it just changes our posture, um, maybe makes the blood run a little differently. <laughs> I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Uh, and I'm going to, and uh, we'll see what he wants to do. But also, right now, there's just an open invitation to come before the Lord. You know, as it says in Hebrews, we can come boldly before his throne for the grace and the mercy we need. Holy Spirit, come. Empower us 
with faith like the centurion. Let us boldly ask for what we need in our time of trouble. Let us boldly ask for healing, for relief, for salvation. And let us trust you no matter what. Come, Holy Spirit. You call.